Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. To me, this team accomplished more almost than any team. No disrespect to any other teams that we had or any championship teams. But this team won 11 SEC games. No other team has done that. Now, they won the SEC and went undefeated in the SEC. Uh, and then they beat two great teams in the playoffs with the break in between. Now, this is our fifth game in a row from LSU to Arkansas to Florida to Notre Dame to here. Um, and played 13 games and went undefeated with all the disruption that we had in this season. Uh, I think there's quite a bit to write about when it comes to the legacy of a team. <laughs> Throwing Arkansas in the mix like I'm supposed to be impressed. I'm telling you, this that SEC like uh, puffing of the chest is just like, gosh, stop. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I get it. If you're an SEC fan, that's something to cling on to. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I really, like, actually, it drives me nuts, but I get it. Um, I don't. I mean, I'll be honest. I, well, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, how though? Well, because there is this thing in college football where it's like I'm better than you. The conference stuff does matter. Like nobody does that in sports. The AL East doesn't sit there and be like, "We're the AL East. We're better than the AL Central." Like nobody does that in baseball. The AFC East doesn't say we're better than the AFC South. They don't do that in the NFL. Yeah, but, but in Brent, college it does matter. Yeah, but why does it matter? Like I don't I, know. I think that. it's stupid because if the Tennessee Titans or the Colts make the, you know go to the playoffs, we're not cheering for them to represent the AFC South and go far. Absolutely, at least I'm not. Yeah. But then, if you're a Florida Gator fan, or if you're an LSU fan, if well, maybe not an LSU fan, but if you're an Ole Miss fan, if you're a Kentucky fan, or Vanderbilt, whatever the case may be, like you're cheering for Alabama to win, and then when they win, then you celebrate like, oh, it's the SEC. They beat you. Why, why would you cheer somebody that curb stomps you year in and year out? Like that's something I'll never understand with college football. Yeah, I don't either. And, and what I don't understand, it's so heavy in the SEC about is they're already the best conference. Like, it's not like you have to prove it. Like, if the Big Ten wanted to stand up after a year, right, And or, or the ACC who's really been down other than Florida State and Clemson, that's really all they have uh, that, that can compete at that level over the last decade. And so all of a sudden, if the ACC becomes like the ACC in basketball for a year and everybody's really good and they're beating up on SEC teams, and if they want to stand up as a conference and show the ACC, you know, logo and be yeah. like, we're better than you, like, I could see that, right? Be like, well, the SEC's been dominant. We all know it because look at all what Alabama's done. Look at what Georgia and Florida and whoever LSU has done. Uh and look what we did this year. We're better than you this year this one time. Like, I could see that. But – like, the SEC doesn't even have to do that. They're, like, the best all the time. Like, nobody's really debating Have you that, seen you the first-round draft picks, Brent, from the SEC? Have you seen them lately? I could go over the numbers if I really had to. It's impressive. But they they just, like, even the the pompous nature of the slogan, right? It means more. <laughs> I didn't know that's that what it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it means more. No, we spend more money on football. That's what you mean, right? Like, yeah. We, <laughs> is it... I guess. I mean, that's great that it doesn't mean anything at USC. It doesn't mean anything at Ohio State. It doesn't mean anything at Clemson, Florida State, Michigan, Oregon. I mean, I, just because, I, I don't know. I, I Listen, again, you want to tout. We do this in TV land, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we all say, we're number one in this and this and this. Like, I can find you a stat that makes it, makes that relevant. Yeah. Um, so there's something about marketing yourself, and, and I just think uh, – 
it's a little bit wasted. And in this context, like I understand why SEC fans will do it to a degree, but in this context, don't keep trying to fool me and tell me that just because you played an all-SEC schedule, this was the hardest thing that's ever been done in sports. That's not true. The reason why that's not true is because Vanderbilt stunk. Mississippi stunk. Kentucky stunk. Ole Miss wasn't even really that good. They felt they like they were good, and they were 500. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Like, come on. Yeah, they were fun to watch. <laughs> That's so Tennessee was bad, okay? So there were four good teams, four good teams. And even that might be more than the ACC and the Big Ten and everybody else. But it's not like they had – there have been times, Austin, over the years that the SEC has actually had good seven, eight, nine teams that are really strong. Sure. You know? Yeah. that This was not the year. <laughs> like, it wasn't. So, uh, you could have fought. Georgia Southern might have beaten one of these teams this year. All right? Yeah. Coastal, Coastal Carolina, Carolina. <laughs> could have come in here and been at, at the worst fifth mm-hmm. in the SEC. That's how bad right the in SEC with those mullets, too. Would have fit right in with those mullets. So, again, I don't know. That part of it's so ridiculous, but... Uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that Alabama is really damn good. <laughs> you know, yeah. Alabama is really good. Where does Mac Jones fit in the NFL landscape? Like, where's he going? I, I, I really like Mac Jones. Uh, we did a nice story on his family uh, before the SEC championship. I got to meet them. And uh, I think Mac Jones is an awesome story. You, you know how I feel about that. I love it. I love it. I've got high school kids. I love that story so much more than the, the story of the 13-year-old guy that was the five-star and offered and committed and blah, blah, blah. And even if he does well, I like the Mac Jones story more because it shows you don't have to have that path of being a blue-chip guy right when you're 13 or 14 years old. But I do knock, I do think there's a knock against him at the next level. I think he's going to get drafted potentially in the first round, no doubt in the second round. Mm-hmm. But I think the knock is the mobility. Same goes for Kyle Trask. But even Mac is less mobile. He'll admit that. He's not the most athletic guy. That's just the way it is. He, he beats you from a cerebral way, a decision-making way, and he has obviously beautiful touch with, with his arm and especially on the deep ball. So... I do have some concerns the way the NFL is right now. I feel like the NFL is a league where you better be able to throw it for 300 and run for 40 or 50 yards. Like, I think Mm. that's – you don't have to do it every game, but you better have that in you. Well, Mac Jones really doesn't have the 40 or 50 yards in him. So does it limit where – he fits in the NFL. Everybody points to the Patriots because he kind of looks like a Tom Brady athlete. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, people point to Big Ben because it looks like he's a statue in Pittsburgh. Are those the fits for him, or is there more out there for Mac with his ability no. to really throw the football? Because that's still the most important part of playing yeah, quarterback. Yeah, listen, I mean, that is definitely the most important part of playing the quarterback is decision-making and, you know, obviously your arm talent. And, you know, I, I can name guys like Matt Ryan. I can name guys like Drew Brees. You said it, the Tom Brady. Um, who, who am I missing here? Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers doesn't really seem like that because, like, he still can he can still move around. Ben Roethlisberger is another guy. Like, Mac Jones can definitely find an offense to play in. You know, it's just it, it's a matter if it's the right fit or not. So with that being said, like, you know, are there other guys like a Zach Wilson, even like a Trey Lance, or a little more of a dual threat type where it's like, all right, these guys can move around a little more, so we like them better than Mac Jones? That could be possible. But at the same time, I feel like if you have a coordinator out there who who sees the potential, who sees the value, it's like, all right, so, so he can't run for 50 yards a game. That's okay. My offense, I can tailor to make Mac Jones successful. Um, if you get him with the right coordinator, the right head coach, the sky's the limit could be for Mac Jones. Yeah, so I, I I think 
I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, even though he's not mobile, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a need for Mac Jones. I yeah. think, I think a team could draft him and could definitely make it work. Well, and here's what uh, I'm trying to think of a comparison, and this might be unfair. Don't yell at me, people in your cars, for this. But the first guy that jumps to my mind uh, in this, this, I'm trying to think of a guy that's been drafted recently that can throw the football. Has a nice resume. Uh, maybe doesn't check every box, but certainly isn't the athletic kind of guy that's going to run for 40, 50 yards in a game. Like you, you don't want to run the 40 at the combine. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And Jake Fromm comes to mind in a sense. You know, Oof. Buffalo, I think, got him in the fifth round. Yeah. Now, I think Matt's a better passer. I think he proved that this year. But listen, Jake Fromm was a pretty good player at Georgia. That's a high-level quarterback, won a lot of football games. I just don't think they asked him to do as much as, say, Mac. So that's why don't jump all over me for comparing Mac to Fromm. What I'm more doing is trying to see where a guy that maybe is less mobile, like Fromm, ends up. And does he slide in the draft a little bit? And I think the answer to that would be probably yes. You know, he hmm. slid to the fifth round. To the Bills, I believe, and I think there was talk that Fromm could be like a third-round guy, if I'm not mistaken. So what I'm getting after is no knock on Mac. It's just the style. Are people going to be less willing to take Mac Jones because of that style and where the NFL is going? Is the timing just not as good for Mac Jones and even Kyle Trask, which could force those guys to slide down a little bit? I got you. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it was me, like his style, it would be more like to me like Kirk Cousins, where he's not the like Kirk Cousins. I guess is a little more mobile than Mac Jones is, but like I compare him to Kirk Cousins. Or, like, if you want, like, a more, like, dead-on comparison, then it would be A.J. McCarron from a couple years ago, I feel like. I mean, A.J. McCarron had a lot of success at Alabama. Um, He's had, you know, a lot of success as a backup quarterback. I think he's got a couple shots as a starter, but never sustained success um, when those injuries healed from the starting quarterback. But, like, A.J. McCarron's a very valuable backup quarterback, and I think if his number was ever called for him to come in, there would be supreme confidence in him. Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. I like that. Um I have said this, by the way, so I don't want this to sound like I'm knocking Mac Jones because, again, it's not. I think this quarterback class is going to be terrific. Mm. I think Kyle Trask is going to be a good pro quarterback. I think Mac Jones is going to be a good pro quarterback. I'm just trying to find the right situation for him. Mm-hmm. And I do think it. I think this league is awfully situational. I think everything is. But I think to get to your best, you've got to land in the right spot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Listen, Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville, we all believe. If Trevor Lawrence is here with Urban Meyer... Does that make Trevor Lawrence better than he would be if Robert Sala was the guy, right? I think yeah. that's a fair question. That doesn't mean Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be bad, but I'm trying to maximize and tap into as much potential as possible with Trevor Lawrence, and, and I think Meyer might be able to do that more than Sala. And I think Sala is an awesome coaching candidate, okay? So, again, it's situational stuff in that regard. And uh, where does Mac Jones land there? I, I will say this, too, and this one, I wonder about this sincerely. Where does Mac Jones now belong in kind of like these conversations about local products? So, you know, we have this conversation sometimes, Austin, with Derrick Henry, and we know about uh, guys from the past like Brian Dawkins and, and Bob Hayes, and we obviously know about Tim Tebow, uh, and there's many more, okay? I'm, I'm just giving you a couple of the bullet points. But I really don't think people like are talking about Mac Jones in that way. And I feel like we might be slighting the kid a little bit. He's playing for the number one program by far in college football. He threw for 460-something in a national title game at five touchdowns, won a national championship, goes undefeated as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, puts up crazy numbers. 
in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should be putting more respect on Mac Jones' name. <laughs> you oh, know? no, you absolutely have to put more respect on his name and his story. Um, but when you want to compare him, you know, to, to the greats a la Tim Tebow and Derrick Henry, like, you know, Tebow won the Heisman. I mean, like, Tebow, he was such a big guy off the field as well. He was polarizing, so, like, that helped to the legend, if you will. And then with Derrick Henry, I mean, listen, the the resume speaks for itself with Derrick Henry. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, all pro, um, 2,000 yards rushing, rushing leader in the NFL. Like, what he's been able to do at the pro level, to me, puts him above everybody else just because he's been dominant on every single level of football that he's played. Yeah, and, and and I'm not trying to make the case Mac Jones belongs on like this Mount Rushmore of Jacksonville just yet, but uh, I wonder this a lot because of the way we cover things. I'm watching Mac Jones in South Florida play for a national title yesterday, and uh, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm like, wait a minute. We covered Tim Tebow win a national championship in that same stadium back in 2009 over Oklahoma. Why aren't we there? Mm. <laughs> like, why aren't we there? And so I actually thought about that. Now, one, pandemic-wise, we're not going, like, anywhere as much as we used to go. Correct. Uh, that, that's, we're probably not going to the Super Bowl this year because of that. Uh, so in that regard, I think things have changed. But I had to ask myself, would we go if it wasn't a pandemic? And I think we would because it's in Miami. I think we would have tried to go. Like, I went to the national championship game in Tampa when it was Alabama-Clemson, and there really really weren't local ties in that one. Mm. But that was Tampa, so it was an easy ride. So I think we would have gone to the title game. And and I would hope we would have gone to the title game. The reason it's a little bit different than Tebow is, first of all, Tebow just, for whatever reason, Tebow had this aura about him, right? He had this following that was just unbelievable, even in the college game. But it was also we went to cover the Florida Gators. You know, if the Florida Gators go to a national championship game almost anywhere on the planet, we're going because it's the Florida Gators is the base. So I'm just telling you from the standpoint of where does Mac fit? Like, where are are we dismissing some of his accomplishments? Are we not covering it close enough, talking about it enough? Those questions did go through my mind. I think the reasoning is correct. I think one plays for Alabama instead of Florida. That's a big difference. I think a guy like Tebow with his fanfare versus Mac Jones, totally different. Uh, for again, for a variety of reasons, and also the pandemic factored in as well. Yes. But that's what when I when I think about these questions, just being honest with myself and everybody out there, I was like, hey, that's a it's a fair question. Like, are we oh. covering them enough? And, and by the way, I, somebody I think it was Alan Verlander who said it should be the lead story in Jacksonville. He's a Jacksonville guy, and uh, and I, I don't disagree. Listen, I love local. I, I mean, that's why we do this. I mean, I love these stories. This. Uh, if I'm in Rhode Island, this is a story that we would have showed every play Mac Jones ever made. But in Jacksonville, you, we have so many guys that make it that we're almost like, okay, there's another one. There's another one. Yeah. <laughs> and, heck, I went back and looked even at the Bulls' Twitter handle. They tweeted about Mac Jones like twice this year. Yeah. Like I say this about Nice all the time about Tebow. U.S. won across from the stadium. They should have a billboard that said Tebow went here. Whether yeah. he wants it there or not, I'd put it up. Yeah, yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. So it's not just – I do think we get a li- – we take for granted how much damn talent is around here. 
in, in all sports, but especially football. I think with the whole Mac Jones thing, and you saw it with the Derrick Henry stuff, but obviously more Mac Jones because he, he went you know so close to, to high school um, around the area. It's the fact that you said it. It's the fandom, right? Like. If you're in Jacksonville, odds are you're either a Florida fan or a Georgia fan, or maybe you're a Florida State fan or Miami fan, but, you know, it's Florida, Georgia, or Georgia, Florida, depending who I'm talking to right now, trying to cover both bases. But at the end of the day, like, that comes first. And then I feel like, you know, the homegrown talent comes second. So if you're a Florida Gator fan and they're playing Alabama, no, like, you're not cheering for Mac Jones. You're, you're cheering for your Gators. And the same thing for Georgia. So that's where I feel like it gets lost in translation a little bit is the fact that, once Mac Jones decided to go to Alabama, which is obviously the right decision, it turns out, um, I think people locally here, while they may have been cheering for him from a distance, it's hard to get passionate about it because he's kind of playing for a different team, right? It, yeah, it, it'd be I like agree. it'd be like if Clayus Campbell went to the to the Titans or, or the Colts. Like, yeah, you're. I mean, even the Ravens. Like, yeah, you you want to see him do well, but at the same time, if you're playing him, sorry, Clay, it's nothing but business, man. Yeah, absolutely. And and by the and again, I'll say what I said earlier in the show. I I think Mac Jones gets a bit overlooked and you dismiss because you're like, well, he's Alabama. He's playing at Alabama. They're all great. They're all players. It's easy to play quarterback at Alabama. I mean, anybody could have thrown for 465 yards and five touchdowns. Look, he's got Devontae Smith. And I just think that's that's doing the kid a disservice because I thought he played unbelievable football. In fact, I thought because he played the entire game and I saw a couple of drives without Devontae Smith, I thought you could have made the case that he should have been the MVP last night. No, I hear you. Of the game. No, no, for sure. But at the same time, I mean, name me the last great Alabama quarterback that panned out in the NFL, though, too. No, that's you know? fair. That's I mean, fair. Hey, I was watching the post game. How about this, Austin? You know, this felt crazy. Again, I'm, I'm like, I'm watching it. I, I watch stuff from a different vantage point. I'm like, oh, how do they cover this? And I think one of the stupid things that we do in, in television, like the national people do, is they interview Saban and Devontae Smith right after the game, right? Sure. And then five minutes later, they go to the trophy presentation so Reese Davis can ask the same damn questions to Nick Saban and Devontae Smith. Brent's got a bone to pick. Well, no, it's not just them. It's everybody. They always do it. And it's like, why are we doing this? And especially, I thought of it, I said, have you ever seen a time where the quarterback of a football team isn't interviewed after the game? Well, Mac Jones was up on the on the, the staging. Yeah. They didn't even interview him. And, oh, by the way, he threw for 465 yards and five touchdowns, and they still didn't interview him. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, it might be the first time I've ever seen a football game covered where in that kind of moment, now he ended up going to the postgame later on, but in that kind of moment, mm. with that kind of performance, the quarterback was not interviewed. I, I couldn't recall another. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, the, the emphasis we put on the quarterback position, yet we kind of want to say, yeah, Mac Jones playing for Alabama. <laughs> no, no, yeah, for sure. But, but it's also like, listen, whether it's to Devontae Smith or Najee Harris, like with Devontae Smith, like, listen, you, you're the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're going to get some shine. People are going to talk about you. Like, I don't I feel like Devontae Smith didn't get really going until, you know, like the past couple months uh, of college football. So, Absolutely. Like, so, last yeah. Month, yeah. So, like, I'm not mad, like. How that went down, obviously, if you're the quarterback, you're the most important position on the field, you should get your shine as well. But, you know, I mean, the guy won the Heisman, all this stuff, so it is what it is. Let's just yeah. say that. No, listen, listen. he he earned that, too. Yeah. I'm, not try, I'm not trying to debate whether Devontae Smith or Mac Jones should have got it. I know I sound a little bit whiny about uh, Mac Jones. I'm just trying to give you all my my honest thoughts. Yeah. Last night I was watching Preach. the game. 
Uh, and it, I'm, I'm interested now to see what Mac Jones does in the NFL. What a cool story it is. And obviously a Jacksonville guy. Hey, Kuz, uh, we got, we're going to be ready for this interview when we come back? Maybe. I like that. We can work with maybe. I mean, how the hell am I supposed to tease that? Oh, don't, don't worry. I, I already said who you were talking to before when we were gone. I said who it was. Oh, no, way to spoil it. No, I'm kidding. I, I didn't. Well, I mean, it's not that big a deal, really. It's a pretty hey, big deal. Maybe we'll, we'll get Tim Tebow's thoughts on oh, Urban when we come back. Name dropping. Maybe. Name dropping. But I got a story behind the interview that is kind of, well, I think, well, it wasn't funny at the moment. but we'll It's funny now. It. Yeah. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> you can have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. With six job openings right now, do you expect Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach next year somewhere in the NFL? I, I would think so. I mean, his track record um, uh, speaks for itself. I mean, the, the type of guy, the type of man he is, the type of way he can control, uh, control and, and be the leader of a locker room. Um, and the way that uh, he, he coaches and the, the schemes that he, he brings to us. I mean, uh, if he doesn't, people are crazy. So, I mean, uh, for us, uh, obviously we want to have him here, but we know he deserves to have that job, the opportunity to go lead his own franchise and his own team. That is Patrick Mahomes. And uh, Kuz said from what station in Kansas City, but he said so many letters I can't even remember it anymore. Oof. KCSP, 610 AM Sports Radio. <laughs> there we go. That was a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Listen. having to say that every time you rejoin. <laughs> uh, I've been a little busy, and I've seen this roll around, but uh, Jags do another GM uh, uh, interview, Fontenot, from New Orleans. Did you see that? Yeah. I have no idea, Terry Fontenot. I, I don't know. <laughs> like I really, I'm just being honest with yeah. folks. Like, if that sounds good to you, congratulations. <laughs> I just don't know what that would mean for the Jags. I think it is interesting that if they are conducting virtual interviews with GMs right now, while I understand both are open, Austin. If you don't know who your head coach is, and I feel like the head coach is coming first. Do you really know who the head coach is going to be? <laughs> oh, looking into it a little more now. Um, you know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're saying that they already know Urban Meyer is taking the job, so now they're going after guys that maybe Urban Meyer wants to work with, right? Is yes. that what you're getting at? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's a possibility. It could also be the possibility that the guy's maybe a hot name and he's getting other suitors, so they want to do their due diligence right away in case you know someone tries to scoop him up. So, I mean, I get what you're getting at, but... I, I don't know how much stake I put into it. Well, uh, the report is uh, Terry Fontenot is assistant GM, by the way, and, and uh, another guy, Jeff Ireland, who's been going around on some interviews for the Saints. So uh, poaching the Saints is, is something that teams are looking to do, obviously, in the front office. He did have a second interview, according to Albert Breer, with the Broncos GM job this morning, interviewed virtually for the Jags GM right after uh, meeting with Denver. And he's said to be a strong candidate in Atlanta as well. So that is interesting. And, again, you just wonder 
I believe, and I've said this for a while now, this was even before the Irvin stuff got super hot, that the Jags, I think, are going in a direction of naming their coach, and then who will that guy work with as the GM? Most people think, and conventional thinking is in the NFL, or has been, and I'm not sure it's right, but it has been, hire the GM who hires the coach. I'm just not sure uh, that is going to happen in Jacksonville. In fact, I don't think that's going to happen, at least from a planning standpoint. I think they're, they're, and, and Shotcon said this last week. He said, we'd like to announce them both around the same time. So we'd like to get them both done. Just very interesting now. Keep an eye on that Terry Fontenot interviewing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, for their vacant GM position because the GM job search has been a little bit quiet. Uh, since that initial round of reports and interviews for the Jaguars and the attention moved to the head coach. I just put something out on social media, and this is not to say this is going to happen, but have we worked ourselves up so much in Jacksonville about the idea of Urban Meyer (laughs) that there will be this balloon pop kind of disappointment if it's not Urban Meyer? Do you sense, like, I'm starting to sense that, Austin, uh, I'm starting to sense that if if this doesn't work out with Urban, because there's been so much smoke, and you can blame us for some of the conversation for sure because we haven't stopped talking about it. This has been an Urban Meyer podcast the past week. It really has. But I also think because we know the temperature in the room, and the room in Jacksonville says uh, it's nice in January, but it's really hot on the Urban Meyer front. And so I think that's why we're talking about it so much. And I think people almost want to see it happen now. And and I think there would be a level of disappointment if it doesn't happen. Do you sense the same, or am I thinking a little bit too much about that? No, you're going to sense disappointment, not from the fact I think people – I mean, I I don't know. From my perspective, if he doesn't come here, then that's like the Jacksonville Jaguars losing because they lost out on their guy. And um, as a team that was billed as the most desirable job, when you lose the guy that you want, well, that's bad optics. So – to me, that's why people would be more disappointed than anything. It's not the fact that you may be missing out on a once-in-a-generational type of coach. It's the fact that you took an L with this, right? Because you were led up to believe that Urban Meyer was going to be the guy, and then if he backs out, there's disappointment. So that's where I feel like people would be upset or you know, just angry about is the fact that you thought he was going to come, and then he didn't show up. So that's what I, what I would say. And I, I believe, and you, you know what you asked me last week, you're like, well, hey, why do they, who cares if it's his job and it's such a good job, take it. Well, I think that's why a little bit of, one, they wanted to beat. Two, they wanted to slow play this a little bit to just like, hey, hey, wait now. If he doesn't take this, we got to do our due diligence on other guys. But we also, we're not sure he's going to take this, or who knows if this is still going to be a fit. We're allowed to explore this stuff. But now it's reached such a boiling point that I feel like people in town are like, will you just tell me if he's going to do it or not? <laughs> you know, yeah. Is he going to do it or not? And if he doesn't, I think there'll be this level of disappointment. And also, it's unfair almost to the next guy that gets the job. Like, that's the consolation prize. Well, maybe that guy was super high on the Jags list anyway. This was 1A, 1B, and, and we got two great candidates. We love this guy, and we can't wait to get him if Urban says no. We're going to explore this first. But the perception of it will be, oh, that's the consolation prize. Great. You know? Yeah. No, for sure. Like that, that, that will be the perception. But w- once again, and this is why I've been adamant about you should probably give this dude an ultimatum and say, like, hey, we got to know by now. Because then if you lose plan B and you go to plan C, like, listen, I'm not sure who the second favorite is right now um, for Shad Khan. 
I don't know if it's Salah. I don't know if it's Biennemi. I don't know if it's Arthur Smith. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you have a better idea, but I don't know. All I know is Urban Meyer is number one. And I just feel like if you lose Urban Meyer and all of a sudden you lose, like, Salah and then you lose Biennemi, like, regardless of where those guys were ranked, especially in my eyes, Biennemi, because he is kind of the bigger name in my opinion. Like, if you lose out in Biennemi because he went someplace else, now you're talking about a fan base that I think is going to be upset. Right now, we'll see if they interview Dabble. And, and like, oh, I'll tell you right now, if you get Arthur Smith, um, I think Salah is lukewarm. I think people are 50-50, and obviously you can tell better because you did the whole poll thing. But, like, I feel if you get, if you get a guy like Salah or Arthur Smith, fans will be disappointed. Yeah. Um, be- I, because now you're going, like, scraps, it seems like. Yeah. I, yeah, and it's just a, it's an odd thing. That's not necessarily reality. It's just kind of perception because everything gets beefed up. And, again, we're a big part of that. I understand that. Well, so. hey, we haven't talked about Robert Sala for a full day. We haven't talked about Biennemi for a full day. A little bit with Maurice Jones-Drew. But, like, th- that's the power of Ben Meyer. That's where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the buzz. It is certainly the buzz. And uh, so much so, I'll give you a little backstory after uh, you hear this interview. But just caught up with Tim Tebow a short time ago. And few people know Urban Meyer like Tim Tebow. And... Uh, He's part owner now of the Jacksonville Iceman, by the way, and he's got an event coming up on Friday, part of the conversation, part of the conversation about Urban Meyer, and part of the conversation about Trevor Lawrence and even Mac Jones. So we hit on a bunch of topics. Here's the interview just from a few moments ago with Jacksonville's Tim Tebow. Well, he's a man that needs no introduction. You know him well, Jacksonville's own. He's been all over the place from the national championship game last night to back in Jacksonville. And did you know this? Tim Tebow is part owner of the Jacksonville Iceman. So add that to the resume as well. Tim, great to see you, man. And how did this all come about uh, to get involved with the Iceman? Well, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, honestly, it started with relationships with Andy Kaufman and the ownership of the Iceman and getting to know them and um, be able to spend time. And it's really important for me to have great relationships with people that I'm in, um, around and involved with. And so I just really liked all the people and Jason and um, just the whole team and 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 then um, it also when this opportunity came up, it was important for me to also just invest in a, um, a city that has invested so much in me and be able to love them. And um, so to be able to have a you know a tiny piece of this team and support the city of Jacksonville, and it could be a place where people can find enjoyment and fun and fulfillment and um, and a lot of smiles. You know, I just I thought that was pretty cool, and you know I wanted to take that opportunity. Well, you've always stayed connected to Jacksonville, but, you know, whether it is being a part owner of the Iceman or just coming back and speaking to youth groups, church groups, uh, having a home in Jacksonville, why has it been so important? Uh, You could live anywhere, right? I mean, you go all over the place. You're hardly home to (laughs) to begin with. But why has it been so important for you to stay connected in some way, shape and form to the River City? I think it's because Jacksonville means a lot to me. And uh, so many people here have invested in me. And while we do get the chance, me and my wife, to travel around the world, and she's from the other side of the world, and um, and we do, you know, like one, kind of one of our thoughts and sort of goals is that we want to get to every country in the world. Like we love it. We want to, you know, be able to bring faith, hope, and love to people all over the world. But we also want to do that in our backyard. And there's something special about home. 
and for the way that Jacksonville has embraced, you know, my wife Demi coming from South Africa, for the way it's taking care of me, um, I can, you know, I, I still, um, if I'm going to my parents' house, I still, you know, will drive by Normandy and Lakeshore and so many of the places I played basketball and everything. And so it just means a lot. And so, you know, while we get the chance to do some fun things and go all over the place, there's still, um, you know, you don't want to be too cheesy, but no place like home. Yeah, Faith and Family Night will be Friday night, Jacksonville Iceman game. And then you'll speak after. You can still get tickets, by the way, JacksonvilleIceman.com for Faith and Family Night with Tim Tebow. Some of the proceeds will go to the Tim Tebow Foundation. Everybody okay. knows what a great job Tim does, not only here in Jacksonville, but all over the world with the Tim Tebow Foundation. You speak to so many folks. Uh, how does your message change? Is it similar? Uh, what will you speak about on Friday night for the folks that will be there? Well, I think, yes, your message changed um, based on the time, based on the place, based on the people, what's happening. Um, you know, it, it always is changing because I want to always be learning and growing. But I think at the same time that um, the truth doesn't change, um, that God loves us and has a purpose for us. And part of our purpose is to be able to help one another, and especially in this time, right? And so um, while we're always learning and growing and changing and and, and trying to um, get better every day, is there are some truths that we get to hold on to. And so to answer that question, I think, yes, it's both. And um, and so I'm excited about this opportunity uh, on the Faith and Family Night. I'm excited about the proceeds and that it's going to um, uh, make an impact in our community. It's going to rescuing girls here in our community out of trafficking. It's going to fight for people that can't fight for themselves in our community. But I also hope that the event is a time where there's a lot of laughs and smiles and joy and um, a time where, um, you know, in, in, a, in a safe way and a social distance way, it still can be a time where um, people can have that, that fellowship and feel like, you know what, we still have a great community here in Jacksonville. Well, you can be a part of it, JacksonvilleIceman.com, the place to go for tickets. It's Friday night, Faith and Family Night. The Icemen are so fun to watch. It's a great environment, great game, so go watch some hockey and then go see Tim Tebow as well. You can do it on JacksonvilleIceman.com. All right, the elephant in the room, man, the big story, whether you were in South Florida yesterday here in Jacksonville, you can, you can feel it. Are, are you going to skate for the Jacksonville Iceman? Are you going <laughs> to I got to tell you, I am not going to skate, nor have I ever skated in my life. And it would be a absolute tragedy if I put on skates and tried to, to skate. I, I promise it would probably be some broken bones. Yeah. Well, you knew you thought I was going in a different direction with that. I question. did. Likely. Uh, you are close to uh, one man named Urban Meyer. And there are a lot of reports and curiosity around Jacksonville with the Jaguars. You can break the news, man. We're just friends here. You can let us know. What's the latest with Urban Meyer? Everybody wants to know. Uh, I tell you what, I, um, you know, we've had the chance to, to talk a lot. We should, we talked a little bit ago and, and, you know, I love him. He's like a father figure to me. And, um, you know, if he accepts a job at the next level, whether that be Jacksonville or another team, then I'm going to be supportive of him and cheer for him or root him on and do everything I can to help. And if he doesn't, then I'll also be supportive because he's doing a great job of being a, a husband and a dad and a grandfather. And he, I'll tell you what, he's a lot, a lot softer as a grandfather than he was as a coach. Let me just be honest with you, right? He didn't give us everything we wanted. He gives his grandkids everything they want. So, um, that he is, uh, you know, I, I just, I think, uh, it, you know, if he decides to, to take a job, then um, I think he'll do it for the right reasons, and he'll have a lot of support, especially for me. 
you know the college game is different than the NFL game, but this guy is third all time in winning percentage in college. Can it translate to the NFL level, especially now where it seems like the college and NFL game are as close as they've ever been? Yes, I think it absolutely can translate, especially from him, because he's not a system guy. He's not just bringing a system or a scheme, right? Sometimes you hire coaches because they have a certain scheme. No, this is a guy that knows how to motivate people and motivate men and get, and inspire people, and he's not bringing a system. He has a million systems. He had a different system at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. Um, what he's bringing is a culture, is principles, is um, is a buy-in, um, is, is something that I think would be special and I think it will work at any level. Because well, I, don't think, I don't think he would rest until it did. Yeah, who, who knows if Urban Meyer ends up here. We'll find out probably in the next two, no, a day, two, whatever. But we do think Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville as the number one overall pick. And this guy seems to have all the tools, Tim. You know quarterback play. What makes Trevor Lawrence so special? Why should Jags fans be so excited about the prospects of this guy being the franchise QB? Well, you're right. He does have all the tools, but I think he also has um, the intangibles as well. He's played in a lot of big games. He's played well under pressure. He's a, a good young man. I think he's something you can. He's someone that you can build a, a franchise around. I think he has a chance to be a staple. Um, I think he has the chance to um, be a very high character young man for your team, for your organization. So um, I think there's a lot of great things going for Trevor. Um, and you know, I believe in him and I'm rooting for him. Um, but I also believe that you need to put the right pieces around him because. They're in the NFL, it don't, one person ain't getting it done. It's got to be a team and it's got to be a culture. And so I'll be rooting for Trevor and, um, he's a great young man. Um, but I also think he needs support as well. All right. I'm going to leave you with this one. I'm going to take you back a decade. Uh, our, our buddy Martin Buckley, you're outside his shop, TD autographs and uh, in the avenues mall, you're, you're this star quarterback from Jacksonville signing autographs. There's a couple of hours worth of people waiting in line to meet Tim Tebow. And in that line is a kid that says, I want to be like Tim Tebow. And that kid last night won a national championship for Alabama. He probably isn't the only kid that said that. But what does that mean to you that Mac Jones has willingly said, Tim Tebow was the guy I wanted to be like. And now like a decade or so later, he's the guy. Well, it means a lot. Um, I, I've always really tried to take um, the platform that God has given me and the influence that I've been given um, very serious and intentional and to try to be a great role model. Someone like Danny was to me, and I'm grateful if I had any positive impact on Mac, um, you know, because that's just so much more important than a game will ever be. If you're able to make someone's life better, um, if you're able to invest in them, to encourage them, to uplift them, uh, it's just so important. I believe one of the greatest things we can do in life is make someone else's life better. And um, I'll tell you, I'm so proud of Mac, the way he's handled it. Um, it's hard to root for an Alabama guy, but it's easy to root for Mac Jones. Um, everything that he has done, his mindset, his competitiveness, his determination. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of young kids looking up to Mac Jones right now, and I think they should be. It's easy to root for Jacksonville guys, Mac Jones, like Tim Tebow as well. The Tim Tebow Foundation, Faith and Family Night with the Jacksonville Iceman on Friday night, part owner of the Iceman. I'm telling you, somewhere in this tenure, we got to get you to put skates on and play for the Iceman. <laughs> hey, listen, the most I know about hockey is Miracle and the Mighty Ducks, okay? <laughs> Tim, be well, man. Keep up with Appreciate you. Thank you so much. That is Tim Tebow. Just caught up with him within the last hour. 
for a second time. <laughs> Uh, and you just hear, heard it on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Comments about Mac Jones, where, where I really think that's cool. Tim, Tim's a young guy, but to see somebody like Mac Jones, and, and we did the story with Mac Jones at his house. I've seen pictures of Mac Jones with Tim Tebow after being in line uh, at the Avenues Mall that day and other things that he said, like on his wristband, be like Tim. Uh, so it, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, a decade later or so, that come fruition for Mac Jones, what we saw last night, and that's going to be pretty neat for uh, Tim as well, see the impact he's made. Uh, part owner of the Iceman, thoughts on Trevor Lawrence, and right now just the timing of this and resonates in a big-time way, his thoughts on Urban Meyer. And what struck me about the Urban Meyer part is, I, I, I listen, you got to understand, Tim loves Urban Meyer. He knows him so well. They talk on a daily basis, Austin. But when I asked you something about Urban Meyer earlier in the show, you said something similar to Tim. And you said his ability to adapt. And so adapt to the NFL, adapt an offense, whether it's around a QB or an NFL style. And it was interesting that Tim brought that up as well. So I, I, I found that uh, from somebody that obviously that's not around Urban Meyer like you, but knows the game of football. And then somebody who is around Urban Meyer, one of the great traits of him, Tim Tebow says, is that ability to adapt and change. And uh, he certainly thinks he'll have a lot of success at the NFL level if he chooses to coach. Yeah, I went into more great detail, actually, more ironically, when you did the Tim Tebow interview. And and I talked about the adaptation a little more um, in the form of Chris Leak. And what I was so adamant about was the fact that when Urban Meyer got there, like, listen, if you're a coach, there's two roads you can go down when you first get to a new team. You can wholeheartedly trust in your system and the way that you do things. And I'm talking more about the on-the-field stuff. And you trust your system. And you go, I need guys to fit my system. Or you take a look at the big picture at hand. And you see a guy in Chris Leak who's not the most mobile guy. And you see, okay, you know what? This guy, not going to do the read option with him. Right. But there's something there. There, there, There's leadership qualities there. There, These guys in that locker room respect this dude. And I'd be doing myself a disservice as a head coach who just got in. If I was going to say, you know what, Chris, man, I appreciate what you did, but we're going to go a new direction because you don't run my offense. This is what makes great coaches great. It's that you take what you have. Like every coach has the ability to be great. It's just that some coaches get so stuck in their race and they get so stubborn to the fact of it's my way or the highway. Now, Urban Meyer still had his my way or the highway in terms of how he coached that team, kind of like the the morals he's going to instill in that team. But he adapted when he saw a quarterback who couldn't really run a system wholeheartedly, but he made it for the fact that, you know what, Chris Leak is special. I'm going to get the most out of this guy and I'm going to tailor my offense to him. That's what makes a great coach, especially from the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and listen, I didn't expect to hear Tim Tebow say, nah, it's going to be a tough transition to the NFL, but Tim has played in both, you know, so he understands, and they've had conversations. I would imagine there's some leaning on, like, the experience of a player um, over the years by Urban Meyer, and, and I think that's some of the stuff on Meyer. See, people think Meyer's like, hey, Shad Khan picked up the phone and said, are you interested, and now he's thinking about it. I think people, if you really read deeper on Meyer, he's been thinking about the NFL for, like, a decade. Like, what if, what if, what if? And so this isn't like all of a sudden a, a, a one-week thing like, oh, can I do this? And um, I, I think some of that conversation probably has taken place even with a guy like Tim Tebow for years uh, about a potential jump to the uh, to the NFL. A quick story about that. So, so here's the deal. Uh, 
the Jacksonville Icemen have fam, uh, Faith and Family Night coming up, and Tim's going to be a part of that. And he just signed on, much like Miles, Jack, and others, yeah. uh, to be a part owner of the Icemen. And so we're promoting that event. And go ahead and get tickets, by the way, to that event, JacksonvilleIceman.com. Well, we had 10 minutes with Tim because he's got to do some other interviews with other stations and other media, including like ESPN. And it ironically happens on a day where everything's all about Urban Meyer, which it really has been for the last week or so. Sure. So we have 245 set up to 255. So we do an interview. Ten minutes. Ask them all the questions. I get done. It's on Zoom. I get done, and I'm like, we didn't record it. Yeah. We didn't record it. I get this pit in my... I'm like, oh, my gosh. We just spent ten minutes talking about Urban and all this, all this stuff, and I didn't record it. And, by the way, this, this is not like a, hey, this story turns and really we did have it. No, we didn't. Like, it didn't record. Yeah. Like, that was it. I got the audio from my microphone, and that's it. And so uh, Tim was kind enough to record again. That's why I had to well, jump out during the show. So I appreciate his time twice today <laughs> for, sure. um, for me not uh, thinking about recording the Zoom call. And we, sh- we should address this, too, where there was some choppiness in the first part of that interview. Uh, people couldn't make out what was being said, so we can obviously replay that. We'll post that on our all social media platforms on Facebook and whatnot. And we'll make sure that full interview in its entirety gets out there so people can listen yeah, to it. Coos, yeah, we'll do that. We'll have it on ESPN690.com uh, as well. And Coos does a good job with that. Sometimes when you play video through the feed, uh, the audio will get messed up like that. And so I think Coos caught it in time. That's why I pulled down some of the video and it cleared up. But uh, more of that on the Action Sports Jacks on ESPN690 podcast on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and, of course, on ESPN690.com. More to come, an hour to go here on a Tuesday. Will anything break? Who knows? Stay tuned. Next.